A lot of people, when they first think about stocks, tend to lock in on the share price. Maybe this was you, or maybe this is a friend of yours. They'll say, wow, Amazon is at $3,355. That's expensive. By contrast, this same mentality when looking at penny stocks can get a lot more excited. Wow. Some penny stock they're seeing promoted by someone, perhaps some ne'er-do-well, and they'll think, wow, this stock is at 33 cents, not 3,300 like Amazon. Nope, 33 cents. And they'll think, well, that's the one to buy, right? The one at 33 cents. Because if it just reaches a dollar, you triple your money if, if, from the earliest days of The Motley Fool, we've tried to get people focused not on the price per share of the company, but rather on the market cap of the company. The price per share of a stock tells you almost nothing. It's the price to buy one share of the stock. But how many shares does the company have outstanding? In math, we multiply two multiplicands together. I hope I have my term right to reach a product, but the price per share is only one multiplicand. If you don't know the other one, you can't do any meaningful math or figure out much of the world around you. Fools, with a capital F, know that you need to know the shares outstanding and then multiply that by the price per share. And now you know the actual full value of the company. It's full price tag. It's market capitalization, market cap. Well, to teach this lesson inexorably and unforgettably, we invented a game. That's what I do. The date was August 9th, 2017, and we've been playing every quarter since. You're playing too. You know this. We previewed it last week. It's that time of the year again, that time of the quarter again. Welcoming back Brian and Brian and you only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. What a wonderful experience it was last week. The very rare, in fact, the one-of-a-kind two-hour-plus Rule Breaker Investing podcast. If we're going to go that long, something special must be happening. And to have the cameo appearances we had from our guest stars, thinking through some of the best voices on this podcast in the year that has been, that was really awesome. And I want to thank Rick in particular for Yeoman's work. He is going all out anytime we do a one-hour podcast. If we're doing a two-hour podcast with 10 different guests and all kinds of transitions and some music too, you bet he's working extra hard. So thank you again, Rick Engdahl. And that hard work continues this week and, of course, into next week when we have our year-end mailbag. I will mention, I did wonder aloud on Twitter whether Frank Reich's appearance on this podcast last week when we talked about the phrase, winners win, whether that had anything potentially to do with the Indianapolis Colts upsetting the AFC football conference leader, New England Patriots, on Saturday night, just a few days ago on national television. Congratulations to Frank and my Colts. I'm excited, of course, to be playing our game this week. Brian Feroldi and Brian Stoffel were on this show three months ago, The Brian's. And for those who remember, for those who may have been playing along, hashtag, did you beat Brian? Hashtag, did you lose to Brian? I've always loved the ambiguity. They tied. They tied five to five. And so on last week's Bestie show, I had them back. We briefly 
played a teaser one question of the market cap game show. Those who are paying attention will remember that Brian Stoffel made the right call. Of course, we selected Etsy. Brian Froldy guessed outside the range. He guessed below the range given, but it was in the range. And so in a sense, we created a tiebreaker if needed for this week's show. We'll talk about that a little later if it comes back up, but mainly what I wanted to do last week in the middle of our besties was give you just a taste and a reminder of what is always four of my favorite podcasts to do each year, the Market Cap Game Show. And yes, that's what's happening this week. I've made quite a lot of this being a holiday tradition, especially the fourth one of the year. I'm imagining, even if this isn't true, don't disabuse me of my illusion. I'm imagining that you're near a cozy fire, that you have multi-generations around you of your family. And rather than have all visions of sugar plums dancing in your heads together, nope, you're listening to this very podcast. You are playing the Market Gap Game Show together by the fire with cider, as I've said before, hot cider, hard or not. And all are welcome. All can play. This game was designed from the ground up to make it so that you can play along and learn and have fun with us. And anytime I have two Motley Fool guest stars, we're always going to have fun. And we're certainly going to have fun with Brian Froldy and Brian Stoffel as they return the Battle of the Bryans to they tied last time. Let's see what happens this time. Now, before we get started, I want to mention next week is your mailbag. And we have already recorded the mailbag. We had a lot of fun with your items. I think there were nine of them, some great Twitter hot takes. I think it's going to be a really fun end of the year show next week, the final week of 2021, of course, our December mailbag for Rule Breaker Investing. Our email address is rbi at fool.com. Do avail yourself of it. Drop us a note. You don't have to do it near the end of the month. We start looking in January at emails we received in December for the January mailbag. But if you're hoping to be on next week's show, bad news, we've already fully recorded it yesterday. But I hasten to add, it is a fresh show, never before heard. Rick Engdahl and I continue our undefeated streak of always putting up a new, fresh podcast every single week without repeats. Well, at the top of the show, I hope I did the math already for you and explained market cap. I hope a lot of my fellow fools at this point know exactly what market cap is and why we care about it. But let me make sure we all know how this game works because we do have a lot of new listeners near the end here of 2021. So you should know that I will turn to one of my contestants and ask him. He doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't know what stock we're talking about, the ticker symbol or the market cap. I haven't given them anything to study on. It's just sort of a general knowledge game, but I'll turn to them and ask them a question. And the question is ultimately, what is the range of market cap that you want to specify for this company? So for example, well, let's take an example. How about Etsy? Yeah, Etsy these days is at $222 a share, as I quoted on the internet, live Tuesday, December 21. Etsy, the stock is at 222. It's got about 125 million shares outstanding. If you do the math, the market cap of Etsy multiplying 222 times 125 million or so, you don't have to do that in your head. The market cap is 27 and a quarter billion. So if I were asking you the market cap of Etsy, as I will be, Brian, very shortly, you don't have to answer exactly 27 and a quarter billion. You can give a range. You can say, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 billion. And then your opponent, your fellow contestant, simply has to decide, is it inside that range you gave of 20 to 30 billion? Or is it outside that range? 
So the fun choice when I ask you to specify the range, you have a choice how tight or wide you want to make that market cap range. It might make it easier or harder for your contestant. The person who says inside or outside the range is ultimately the one who drives the game because if they're right, they get a plus one. If they're wrong, you get a plus one. We go through 10 companies, 10 stocks, 10 market caps, and however Brian or Brian do against each other, you are playing along too. So every time you can say inside or outside the range at the right moment, hold yourself accountable. Good news, you could get 10 out of 10. And if you do, I sure hope you will tweet that at. We're at RBI Podcast on Twitter. We've had fun with this over the years. Hashtag I beat Brian. Hashtag I lost to Brian. Hashtag 10 out of 10. Whatever you score, let the world know if you're proud of it, even if you're not. It's even funnier when you're not. But that's how we roll on social media with the Market Cap Game Show. So I hope the intent of the game is clear. I hope the content of the game is clear. And I say without further ado, let's welcome in our guest star contestants. Guys, great to have you back. Happy holidays. I'm looking forward to the Market Cap Game Show. Happy holidays, David. Pleasure to be back. And Brian Feroldi, I'm going to turn to you first alphabetically. Brian, could you briefly remind us, what have you done for The Motley Fool? How are you spending your time these days? And what is a holiday tradition that the Feroldis keep that others might want to try? So at The Fool, my primary contributions are Fool Live. Uh, I'm a regular guest on the Industry Focus Pod podcast, uh, and I do some writing for the premium services behind the scenes. As for the holiday tradition, we do most of the normal Christmas stuff that you would expect. However, one thing that my wife does, have to give her full credit for this, is throughout the year, she writes down some of the family adventures or things that happened throughout the year. She puts them into a little jar. And then typically at the end of the year, Christmas time, we go through and pick them out. And it's a nice reminder of all the things that the family did that year. And we also always try and look one year ahead and we sit down and we say, what vacations do we want to take this year? Who do we want to spend time with? What local activities do we want to do? And we kind of do a brief overview of the year ahead planning. And that's something that I look forward to every year. That is awesome. And Brian, how old are the kids these days? Trick question, I know. Uh, 11, 9, and 7. Okay, yeah. Wow, what a wonderful conversation for them to, to partake of, both the reflection back on the year that was and then thinking ahead to what we could be excited about in the year ahead. Maybe I'll try that. Thank you, Brian. Brian Stoffel, a delight to have you back. What do you do in and around The Motley Fool, and what is a holiday tradition that you keep that others might want to try? Well, my contributions to The Fool are very similar to Brian Feroldi's. Um, Motley Fool Live is a big chunk of it, and then working on premium services. Sometimes you might see my name on something, sometimes you might not. Um, and and it's been a while since I've published on Fool.com, um, but I, I still enjoy doing that when I get a chance. Um, as for a family tradition... The the one that, like Brian, I have to give credit to my wife, Allie, because she's kind of the force about, around making sure this happens, is every year we get a thankful tree. And it can be, it can be anything. One year it was a cardboard tree. 
Uh, last year, it drove me crazy, but it was sticks collected from outside, put in a pot. Uh, <laughs> this year, I got to choose, and I chose holly, like uh, the, the plant. And what you do is we make leaves as a family, and between Thanksgiving and sometime around the end of the year, we fill out things we're thankful for, and then you just hang them on the tree. And it's right by our dinner table. And so when dinner time comes around, we remember to do that. And so then by the end of the year, your, your tree is full of extra leaves. Um, one little tip I will give people, if you use holly, you got to keep watering that thing a lot. Because right <laughs> now it's pretty much, it's pretty close to a leafless holly tree of real <laughs> leaves. It's just our leaves that are on it. <laughs> That's great, Brian. And how old are the Stoffel kids these days? They are eight and three. Wow. So you guys have a lot of overlap. And do you ever, you have a wonderful YouTube channel. You you guys are developing some stuff outside the fool as well. Do you ever do parenting conversations or talk or tips? I mean, we should, but I feel like it wouldn't be in terms of tips. It'd be like, hey, people, give us tips. Here's what didn't work in our yeah. house. <laughs> well, a hint, if you guys want to develop it, go with the mailbag because people write in and give you great ideas. And that's something that'll happen next week on the show, uh, the final week of the year. Well, without further ado, let's get started, gentlemen. The Market Cap Game Show, I've already set out the rules and why we do this. So let's go to stock number one. I'm going to turn to Brian Froldy first. Brian, you guys have a pet around the house? We have a pet fish. We are a house devoid of pets. Uh, we love animals, but we like it when our neighbors have the animals and we get to experience <laughs> all the upside with none of the work. Uh, who named the fish? Uh, my youngest daughter named the, the fish. Uh, she asked us for a fish for uh, a year and we let her do it. And is it a big or a small fish? Just a beta fish. It was the lowest uh, lowest maintenance requirement animal that we could possibly uh, yes, get. Yes, yes. And I remember when our kids were that same age, we also got a beta fish. Those little suckers are popular. Well, I was kind of hoping you'd say a dog because the ticker symbol of stock number one is D-D-O-G. really doesn't have much to do with pets in the end, but... Since this cloud services monitoring company, which is a longtime rule breaker pick, since it took on kind of the name Datadog and it's there in the logo, I thought we would maybe open up with with a dog. But forget about pets, Brian Froldy. What does data mean to you in your life? I uh, it's been said that data is the new oil, and take what you will of that phrase. But there's no doubt that data, the rise of data, capturing data, storing data, analyzing data is going to play an enormous and increasingly important role in the way that business functions. And companies that provide tools that help that to happen are, are just going to thrive. All right. Well, that, of course, naturally leads us to discuss the market capitalization of Datadog. Now, this is a stock that's been in our services for several years hasn't even been public for that long. I should say maybe just a couple of years because, guys, I think Datadog came public in the fall of 2019. So it's been on the public markets for a couple of years. Definitely been a winner, but without specifying too much before we get to the market capitalization. Turning now again to Brian Froldy. Brian, what is the range of market cap that you'd like to give Datadog, ticker symbol DDOG? Well, I know that Brian and I both own this stock, both really like this company's competitive position, and it has been a fantastic 
performer, providing very, very high revenue growth, high margins, founder-led, so much to like about this business, even though it was a company that when it first when I first read the S1, I was like, I hate the name Datadog. It doesn't sound that good. <laughs> Boy, was that initial impression wrong. So I'm going to say, I know that this company trades at a sky-high valuation and that lots of high-growth stocks have been hurt badly over the last couple of months, but I think that Datadog has held up pretty well. So I'm going to say that this company has roughly a billion dollars in revenue. I'm going to put a 45 price to sales ratio on that and say it's somewhere between 42 and $53 billion. All right. Somewhere, Brian Stoffel between $42 billion and $53 billion. Senor Stoffel and all of us playing at home inside that range or outside that range. Well, I wrote down what I thought it was as soon as you said Datadog, and my guess lands <laughs> right in the middle of Brian's range. $48 billion was my guess, so I'm going inside. And you are right. In fact, the market cap of Datadog is $49.45 billion. You guys both own the stock. You're both doing pretty well because Datadog, in the three months since we last spent time together on this podcast, last quarter's market cap game show up from 140 to 166 or so as we record on Tuesday, December 21st. You know, it strikes me, guys, that not a lot of peers in Datadog's industry or even among a lot of the innovative companies that we're following as shareholders and observers, not a lot of them are up over the last three months. This is one of them. Yeah, it's been, it's been one of the few bright spots. One of the things that they published that I think is really interesting is every quarter they'll give you their total number of customers. And usually they'll tell you how many customers are using two plus or four plus uh, tools, but they'll give it to you as a percentage. Now, this is a little bit wonky with math, but if you take that percentage and multiply it times the customers in that quarter, you can see how fast the number of customers that have four of their tools is growing. And to me, that's kind of the needle in the haystack. Like that's my metric that I like to watch. This is one of those companies that has a very high dollar-based net retention rate. This is a company where... You know, if you started paying them a hundred bucks two years ago, you're probably paying them like 179 bucks now, and you're not the only one. This is a company that consistently rates among the very highest there, and that's that's why I think all three of us have favored the stock so much over the last couple of years. And a lot of happy Motley Fool members are listening to us right now. There haven't been a lot of happy stocks in the last month or so. A lot of us have seen some of our favorites have maybe a third of their value lopped off. That's kind of been true of the last month or so for the stock market, but Datadog ain't one of them. Okay. I'm going to score one for Brian Stovall. That was stock number one. Datadog, well done, guys. Let's move on to stock number two. And I'm going to turn back to Brian S. and ask you, Brian, do you have any friends who are realtors? I don't have any friends who are realtors, but I do have an aunt who is a, a very accomplished realtor. And, and by what measure in your mind is she accomplished? She does a really great job. She's she's kind of cornered the the small market that she's in. Like everybody knows her. If they want to sell a house, they go to her. And that's a great way uh, to become prominent within real estate. There's no question about that. Being there and having done that and having been around and be associated with a zip code or a neighborhood seems like, I'm not a realtor myself, but seems like a great strategy. Now, some companies enable realtors to become better known than others. And one of them is Zillow Group. And the ticker symbol is ZG. This has been a, a dynamic company to follow, to say the least, guys. I see you both kind of looking heavenward. Uh, 
putting your hand on your chin, thinking about where Zillow Group could be trading these days because Zillow Group began as you know the site everybody used on the internet to check the estimate of the house across the street or in the new neighborhood you're moving into. Zestimate was the key phrase. That was the buzz, and that's how Zillow started, and it was an ad-based model. But in recent times, we saw the company begin to use its data to buy real estate. Uh, it wasn't just for realtors to advertise themselves. Zillow was in the game itself. And in a pretty tough announcement, not so long ago this year, the company announced it was exiting that business altogether. Not great optics, probably, when you say we're going to do this dramatic, daring, I would say rule-breaking thing, and then inside of a, inside of two years, pull out of it altogether with some losses to show. So I know we all know that Zillow is not at 52-week highs, but we're not all about 52-week highs and lows. We're just about the market cap. So let me turn back to Brian and ask you, Brian, what is the range of market cap for Zillow Group these days, ticker symbol ZG? I'm going to go between 13 billion and 19 billion. Seems like a pretty good guess to me. I hope your aunt is listening. If not, you'll need to point her to this podcast. Do you know, did she ever use Zillow to your knowledge? You know, I have no idea. I, I really don't. She's, she's on the cusp of retirement, so I'm not sure if it was anything she ever really got into. Well, that strikes me as something, if you do happen to see her around the holidays, or maybe you make a call to your aunt and uncle or check in with family, you could find that out and she'll have something to listen to as a consequence. And I hope she'll be proud of her nephew, but we, we need to turn to Brian Feroldi to find out, Brian, the range that Brian specified was 13 to 19 billion. Brian Feroldi, everyone playing at home inside or outside that range. So this is a stock that I own, have owned for many years. And while I believe it's up from the IPO price, I know that when Zillow made the announcement that we're getting rid of the iBuying business, the market did not like that. And it was a, it's been a dramatic sell-off. So when you said Zillow, I wrote down eight billion, and my gut tells me it's 10 or maybe under. So I'm gonna say outside the range. And it was inside that range. I also feel as if Zillow having lost so much value, this is a stock that was at $200 a share in February of this year. It's at 60 right now, gentlemen. So that is an absolute bloodletting for one of the better known internet companies, a stock that we have recommended and held, I do myself, for years and years. Still happy overall. We still have a pretty low cost basis if you've been in, in and around Motley Fool Rule Breakers for a long time. But wow, that's volatility. Volatility, thy name, thy ticker is ZG. So yes, the market cap of Zillow Group is $14.3 billion. So it was in Brian's range of 13 to 19 players at home. If you said inside that range, give yourself a plus one. I'm going to give Brian Stoffel a plus one. And so, Brian Stoffel, you have taken a 2 nothing lead. Well done, sir. Three, two, one, go. And how about a quick line for your aunt? Um, happy holidays, Mary. Beautiful. All right, let's move on. Stock number three. Turning now to Brian F. Brian, was there a kid at your school who did good, you know, most likely to succeed? Was that you? Uh, no, that I, I was in, I've always been in the top, say 10%, uh, academically, but we had a kid in my school that just was 
brilliant. He was an engineer. He was a doer. He barely paid attention in class and aced all of his <laughs> tests. He went on to go to an engineering school. He founded a company when he was in there. It got sold. So we said he was going to be the most successful and we were right. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. And you know, it, it does seem like we take a vote of who's most likely to succeed in our high school classes before we graduate, or maybe it was the valedictorian, but sometimes it can be shocking. Sometimes it's not who we were thinking. And sometimes those people, by the way, drop out of school. For example, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, people who don't even tolerate the, the academic environment for much longer. But yeah, it's, it's fun to reflect back on now that we're all in our 30s, 40s, or 50s or so these days and think back to those high school classes and who do we think was going to star. And at least in my experience, often the people I thought would star actually have gone on to star. Just just the story you told, Brian, is, is true of, of my experience as well. And like you, I had the pleasure of going to school with some talented people. And one of them was Willie Walker. And Willie Walker was one year behind me at St. Albans School in Washington, D.C. Willie Walker, since 2003, has been the CEO of Walker and Dunlop. The ticker symbol is WD. Now, this is a stock that I've never actually picked. This is more of a Tom Gardner stock. Uh, it's a company that is Washington, D.C. based. Willie was right there in our school, right in between classes with us, but he's done just a spectacular job with his family's company. In fact, this is a multi-generational family company. Walker and Dunlop basically finances commercial real estate owners. So if you own commercial real estate, Walker and Dunlop is there to provide services for you to finance and grow your business. And they've been doing that pretty well. The ticker symbol is WD. And I don't know if Willie was voted kid most likely to succeed in his class at St. Albans School, but he certainly has. Let me now turn to you, Brian, and ask you, this is a company I'm thinking you don't study every day. Am I right about that? I've read the write-ups on The Fool on it, and I know that Sam in particular does think the world of Willie, just like it seems like you do. I also know this stock has done pretty darn well. I have not looked at it in a few years, though, so this is going to be a, uh, a guess for me for sure. Well, maybe you'll be inspired to look at it after the show, but I'll also mention Willie has the Walker webcast. It's something that he took up maybe a year or two ago and has grown a nice audience and, and has people in and around the business and real estate world on. And you can Google it and you find it on YouTube. You can see his work on a regular basis. So really good guy. And I, I was in class with his older brother, Taylor, and a shout out to Taylor Walker and congratulations to the Walker family for this company. Brian Froldy, what is your range for market cap for Walker and Dunlop, ticker symbol WD? I have a feeling, a strong feeling. It's going to be between five point six billion and thirteen point seven billion. All right, five point six billion to thirteen point seven billion. Brian Stovall, have you ever looked at Walker and Dunlop? No. And when opportunities come up to write about different Motley Fool picks <laughs> that we help out with, I always avoid Walker and Dunlop. <laughs> Is there a specific reason, Walker and Dunlop, or is this just an industry thing? It's an industry thing. Yeah. I admit this is not an industry I know very well as well, which is in part why I have missed this successful stock pick of the last several years. 
Well, Brian Froldy said $5.6 billion to $13.7 billion. Always love the specificity there, Brian. Brian Stoffel and players at home, is Walker and Dunlop inside that range or outside that range? I think it might be below that range, but I'm going to say inside. You were right that it was below that Wait, range. If it's between four and five point six billion, I'm going to be really upset because I wrote down four billion as my low end. You know, some people say go with your gut in life, Brian Stoffel, oh. and it is four point five three billion. Oh. <laughs> this is a stock at about one hundred forty-two dollars a share as we're recording, and gee whiz, two years ago it was about sixty, so it's more than doubled. In fact, for a more predictable business. I don't want to say this is an easy business to run, but financing a big business like commercial real estate doesn't necessarily take a lot of daring do or crazy talk on the part of the CEO to run things well. Stock touched 80 at the start of 2020. I think we all remember that COVID was announced somewhere around March to the at least the United States. It was already around the world before then, but the stock dropped from 80 to 20 then. So it's up seven times in value from its COVID lows last summer 2020. So it's been a remarkable performer, but more broadly, you know, five, 10 years ago, the stock was at 10. So it's about 140 today. And yet, gentlemen, still at a pretty low market cap. And one of the insights we've had at the market cap game show over the years is, you know, if you thought the market cap was, I don't know, 13.7 billion, and you find out it's only four and a half, maybe that is one to put on your watch list. Well, let's keep moving. Makes it a little bit more fun because it's now two to one. Stoffel was threatening a blowout if he gets the 3-0 lead. So Brian Stoffel, two, Brian Froldy, one. Let's move on to stock number four. Brian Stoffel, would you say you were would you say you're good at learning from your mistakes? Um when they hit me over the head hard enough, yes. <laughs> Can you think of an example, let's say, from stock picking history or research where you, you got one wrong, either you underestimated or overestimated. Yeah, um, overestimated. And I think that uh, not understanding the importance of the moat. So this goes back a number of years, but you know, even Whole Foods is a great, I, I go there and I think it was, uh, it still is a great business, but I completely underappreciated how easily players like Costco, mm. Walmart, Kroger, Safeway could get into natural and organic goods. And, and it, and it reflected in what happened to the stock once they did. Yeah. And that's, that's a good example. And I mean, all of us are learning machines, right? That's what humans do. We observe and we hope our head's not in the sand and we adapt. We try new things. You guys have learned a ton uh, over the years, as have I, simply by studying innovative companies. I mean, they're they're lessons on their own. So yeah, I I think you are probably really good at learning from your mistakes, although we're about to find out because three months ago, we covered this very company. So we have a return. And Brian Stoffel, you kind of blew it that day. So we're going to see with this one. I don't want to put you on the spot. I did randomize this stock, so it's back. Next Era Energy, the ticker symbol is NEE. I'm not going to say where you thought the market cap was three months ago. Right now, we'll certainly talk about that shortly. But I think a lot of us will remember this is a, well, this is a longtime rule breaker stock pick, but this is a company that's based in Florida, but really is not just America's, but the world's one of the largest producers of wind power and 
solar power in the world. It also owns Florida Power and Light. That was the cash cow that really sprung this business, but very innovative management team, good stock, good company, good performer long-term. Turning right back to you, Brian, I, I think it's hilarious that I randomized this stock and you to speak to it. So how could I not lead off with the question I did? Are you ready to put some range on the market cap for next era energy ticker symbol NEE. See, I'm going to improve my point here because I said if I get hit over the head hard enough, and when Brian and I tied last time, I lost my motivation to go learn. If he would have won, it'd be a different story. But if I remember correctly, I underestimated by an order of magnitude. I think. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to give a wide range here. So I'm going to say between 130 and 170 billion. All right, between 130 and 170 billion dollars. Brian Feroldi, do you remember talking about this stock three months ago? I do. And I remember that Brian, I think he estimated between 30 and 50 billion. And my gut thought was around 100 or 120. And if memory serves correctly, I remember both of us were surprised at just how big this company really was. And I wrote down when you said next era energy, 180 billion. And this this company might even be in the $200 billion range, although I've not looked at its stock price at all. So I guess just for fun, I'll say outside because I think it's bigger than 170. And that ties the game indeed. And you guys both put much better numbers on it this time. And congratulations. I would say, Brian Stilfel, you you do learn from your mistakes. And you really didn't make much of a mistake this time. The the range of market cap for this company that you specified was 130 billion to 170 billion. Its market cap, as we speak, is 178.94 billion. <laughs> so just above that range. In fact, the stock's done pretty well this past quarter since we last talked about it three months ago this week. It's gone from 79 to 90. Let history show that the initial call you made on it last time, Brian Stelvel, was 43 to 74. And then Brian Feroldi said back, your gut feel was it's a $100 billion company. So you said outside it was 164 then. It's now 179 today. This is a very substantial company. Yeah, that's what it was. It was 164 is must be what my brain remembered. <laughs> well, uh, th- those were really good calls. Part of the fun of the market cap game show is even when you make an amazing call, you're kind of gaming the range a little bit or you're getting <laughs> yeah. gamed by the other guy in the range. And so it's really not fair. In some ways, it adds a gamer dynamic to what should just be a straight numbers game. But that's what makes it fun. And we're tied at two. All right. On to number five. Speaking of tiebreakers, we're 2-2. Two, two. A tie is about to be broken. Turning back to Brian Froldy. Brian, do you have any friends? Yes. <laughs> I needed to finish that line. Brian Froldy, do you have any friends who are realtors? I have a friend that's a realtor. In fact, I was just texting with her this morning because another friend said they were interested in real estate in Rhode Island. They live out of state and she's saying, do you know any realtors? So I sent along my friend's name. I think almost all of us once you've been in the professional world for maybe 10 or so years, so maybe you're at least kind of mid-30s, you probably know a realtor, I would think, even if you're not related to a very talented one, as our friend Brian Stoffel is. Brian F., when was the last time you moved? 
2011. Sheer luck, we happened to buy our house at the exact bottom of the of of the market. So happy happy where we are, and we'll live here for now ten years. That's awesome. And do you think you're going to be there another ten years? If the right opportunity came up, I think we'd be willing to move, but we're we're not leaving our town. Wonderful. And uh, having visited you in your neighborhood, hanging out a couple of years ago, playing a board game when we came through Rhode Island in the summer, uh, a very fond memory. And, you know, I think a lot of us hope to find a place we can stay and not feel like we're bouncing our families around all the time. But there are lots of different demands in life and lots of unpredictable curves. So I'll, I'll hope that you can stay where you are. But that would make Redfin Corporation maybe a little bit disappointed, ticker symbol RDFN, because let's face it, at its heart, consumer-focused real estate businesses want you to move. The more you and I move or want to rent or open up something or change it up, the more transactions happen, the more transaction fees happen. And if you're Redfin, you're trying to do it a little bit different than the the industry traditionally has done it. Brian Froldy, have you ever looked at Redfin stock? Not only have I looked at Redfin stock, Brian Stoffel and I take stocks that we've never researched before and we do so live for about an hour. And was it a month ago yep. we did Redfin? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Again, I randomized the stock list, but we always get to some interesting companies and a lot of us have connections in different ways to these companies. So I'm delighted to ask you then, Brian Froley, what is the market cap range you have for Redfin Corporation, ticker symbol RDFN? So this is where it gets the game within the game, because I'm guessing that both of us are going to be right in the same range for what we think this company's worth. And I also know that Red, Redfin's a, a growth company, and its stock did nothing for a couple of years after it came out. And then in 2020, it just went bananas and like five bagged. But I'm pretty sure this company has been sold off hard in the last couple of, uh, of months, just like many, many other growth, uh, growth companies in its phase. So my Gut feel is to go. I have to go in a pretty tight range here that I that I normally would. So I'm going to say 2.9 billion to 4.4 billion. All right, 2.9 billion to 4.4 billion. Brian Stoffel, I can read body language. We're all seeing each other using uh, ZenCaster actually to do this podcast. So I see you. It seems like you're pretty impressed by what Brian just put out there. Well, so I, I went with the percentages instead of my gut last time, and I just missed. So I wrote down $4.7 billion. So Brian's just being a pain in my butt by going to 4.4. <laughs> but I'm going to follow my gut and say outside. Oh! Wow, that's three in a row for Feroldi. It was inside the range, $3.88 billion. The stock, by the way, trending down since three months ago from 50 to 39. It has been a darling, certainly has been a rule breaker darling for many of us. Stock came public, guys, in 2017, I think, and ran up to about a four-bagger by early this year. But it has lost so much value to the point now where it's about dead, even with the S&P 500 from its IPO. So it's about doubled from its IPO, but that means this is a stock well down from its 2021 highs, it's basically dropped from 100 to about 40. So it feels like Zillow, even though it didn't do what Zillow did to earn what Zillow's done. So it's a really interesting company to keep looking at. One thing that really impressed, I think, both Brian and I when we were researching Redfin was just how consumer friendly they were. I mean, so much so that both of us essentially said, and we're done, you know, the, the, the investing in the business is one thing. There are some big risks here, but 
at the consumer level, the next time I buy or sell, Redfin's going to be my first call. All right. Well, let's move on to stock number six. I turn to Brian Stoffel. Brian, what shoes are you wearing right now? And are they your go-to? Well, since we work from home now, I'm wearing my slippers because it's cold <laughs> here in Wisconsin. And when I'm inside, they are definitely my go-to. And I see our friend Brian Froldy holding up something that looked like moccasins or something slipper-like himself in Rhode Island. You got that right. I wear slippers nonstop in the wintertime. Okay. So, and, and that probably wouldn't be true if we were going to offices. Am I, is, is it safe to assume that you guys would not be in slippers at the office? The Motley Fool is a pretty generous place with the dress robes. <laughs> so. it's, it's true. In fact, our first chief technology officer surprised some external guests like biz dev people when he had no shoes on at all. So, I mean, we, we, we've done that. You know, we're, we're open to that at the Fool. We're open to a lot of things at the Fool. So, yeah, maybe, maybe we could go to work at Fool HQ in slippers and then it would become the in thing. Well, comfortable shoes, uh, I think, matter a lot to us as humans. We probably don't. Uh, recognize as frequently as we should how important our feet are to our health, our long-term health. And you know, sometimes something that feels really comfortable isn't necessarily great for your foot. Sometimes it's that firmer, harder thing. I'm not a podiatrist. I'm not going to be somebody who speaks authoritatively here. But I did once pick a stock that that's done okay. Ticker symbol is SKX. The company is Skechers. And I picked it for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. It was September of 2015. I'm really sorry to say, if anybody goes back and looks at a stock market chart of the last six years, you'll see a massive spike in the months leading up to our cost basis for Rule Breakers, and then a huge drop. And the stock really didn't return to kind of 50, where we we got it in 2015 until recently, but I don't want to say too much more because I might be giving away some of the facts to my very bright contestants. And I'm not just talking about the Bryans. I'm talking to all of us listening to me right now. I'm going to leave it there and not talk too much more about the stock, but I will return to Brian Stolfe and ask you, Brian, do you own any Skechers yourself? Not stock here. I'm talking shoes. I don't, but my daughter does. And, and why do you think she owns Skechers? Um... Because they, I mean, honestly, when you go to the shoe store, they're the ones that, that, that caught her eye and they fit and she liked how they were. And for me, on my side, they were affordable. So I think all those things combined. And this is ironic, definitely not planned, but I am wearing my pair of Skechers right now as we do this podcast. I didn't think about that this morning before I randomized the stocks that we'll talk about. But yeah, I think they are really comfortable. They are very affordable. They're also very light. They're like shoes that are surprisingly non-dense. It, it almost feels like, is this a shoe that I'm holding or is this just air in front of me? I'm not talking about Nike Air. So yeah, Skechers, I'm, I'm a fan, even though the stock has definitely been an underperformer for Rule Breaker members. Although, you know, if you'd picked this up a few years ago, you might be sitting pretty happy with your cost basis. I'm not going to say anything more, though, about the stock because I want to turn back to Brian and say, Brian... I see Feroldi up 3-2 over you. So let me turn and ask you your market cap range for Skechers, ticker symbol SKX. All right. My range is going to be $5.3 billion to $11.2 billion. $5.3 billion to $11.2 billion. Brian Feroldi, before you come up with your answer, do you have any quick thought or opinion about Skechers or shoes in general? I'm not much of a shoe guy. 
myself, and I'm pretty sure there are Skechers in my house. And like Mr. Stoffel over there, they belong to my kids. And I'm pretty sure they were chosen because they were the right color. That's uh, <laughs> pretty high up on my kids' uh, cho- cho- choice when it comes to uh, clothing and footwear. I have not followed this company at all. I do know for a brief period of time, it was a red hot stock. It, it had everything going for it. I'm really glad you said it was not going well recently. That helps my, you a little bit. I will yes. tell you, if it helps you anymore, the stock from 2012 went from about five to its peak of 50 in 2015. It did r- briefly retouch that recently, although it's fallen back down with a lot of the market. Anyway, it, yeah, you're right. It was a it was a ten bagger in a in a three year period. So my my gut was to say that this was a company that would be measured in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So the fact that the lower range here is five point three billion, I, I was thinking two three billion. So I'll go I'll go under and say outside. And we're tied again. Brian right. Stoffel makes another good call in his market cap range. Sketchers. Tips the scales as we speak at six and a quarter billion, six point two six billion dollars, well within that five point three to eleven point two range. Brian Stoffel, maybe you should buy yourself a pair of Skechers to celebrate. I agree. I might need to go out and get one. And if you did, what color? Um, blue. I like blue. Awesome. I was going to go with puce, sparkly puce. Although, admittedly, guys, showing you just over. The air here. I wear blue Skechers, so I'm with you. (laughs) Am I the only one that don't know what color puce is? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. It's a word I just remember. I thought it was such a funny word when I was a kid. It is a color, and I'm looking it up real quick. And my friend Dictionary.com has this as of a dark red or purple brown color. And I think the reason puce is funny is because it's like three different colors, and you can call almost anything in a certain wide range of the spectrum. Puce. So there you go. Sparkly Puce. You know every company featured today is listening to our market cap game. You know the Skechers people are hearing us right now. Sparkly Puce people. All right. Well, we're tied three all. Let's move on now to stock number seven. Brian Feroldi, have you ever been to Minnesota? I never have. And it is on my to-go-to List all the lakes out there, the Twin Cities, and a good friend of mine from college just relocated uh, to the Twin Cities from uh, from Colorado. So it is a place I really want to go, but I do have a hard time convincing my wife to vacation north of where we live. I appreciate that. Now, both of you guys, since I know you're coming to us this week from Wisconsin and Rhode Island, you are comfortable with cold. Maybe Brian Stoffel in Wisconsin a little bit more, cheeseheads a little bit more than the Rhode Islanders. I won't say, but Minnesota is a beautiful state. And I will admit that I visited a number of times and it was always in the summer because <laughs> it's a beautiful place to play golf in the summer or watch a Minnesota Twins baseball game. But I really haven't ever gone in and braved the true cold north in Minnesota. But it is a great state, one of the 50. Proud to have them in the Union. And the name of that state is, of course, implicit in the historical name of company number seven. And that's 3M Company, Minnesota 
Mining and Manufacturing. I'm pretty sure that's what the three M's stand for. The ticker symbol is MMM. And one thing you have to like about 3M stock, we're about to find out what the market cap is very shortly, but one thing you have to love about 3M stock is the dividend yield of these shares today. With inflation tipping the scales over 5% for the first time in a few decades, it's nice to think you're getting a 3.43% dividend yield from the stock, kind of keeping you pace with inflation right now. I sure hope that inflation is more of a flash in the pan. We shall see. But 3M, of all the companies we're sharing, I think this is the big dividend payer of these 10 this week. So we've got the 3-3 tie. It's about to be untied again. I'm going to turn to Brian Froldy and Brian what is your market cap range for 3M Company? That is its official corporate name, 3M Company, ticker symbol MMM. This is not a company I've looked at recently. I put this in that category of like a Johnson & Johnson, uh, a General Mills, a very big, dependable, slow-moving, high-quality, low-growth business that's a play on total return. I know it's huge. I know it's enormously diversified. I know it's very well run. I know that it grows at a modest rate. I think it's over a hundred billion. I don't think it's over two hundred billion. So I'll say a hundred and twelve billion to a hundred and forty-two billion. One hundred twelve billion to one hundred forty-two billion for the 3M company. I'm just going to give a quick fact here as Brian Stoffel scratches his head on this one and all of our listeners around the family hearth thinking about whether they're going to go inside or outside that range. This company was formed as a mining venture in the year 1902 in Two Harbors, Minnesota. I've never been there. Uh, the goal was to mine corundum, but this failed because the mine was a anorthosite, whatever that is, and anorthosite is basically worthless. So it's. I, I love the stories. I mean, I'm t a total sucker for corporate histories. I think they should be taught in schools. I think there should be academia. Academia should have chairs at every university teaching corporate histories. I think it's a great unexplored part of our education today. But I love finding out how companies started, especially hearing how they just did something crazy or silly and then morphed and morphed again. And 3M Company is obviously an example of that. The maker of the post-it note started by a failed mining enterprise in Two Harbors, Minnesota. Brian Stoffel, everybody at home, is the market cap of 3M Company inside or outside the range of $112 to $142 billion? I'm going to say outside. I think it's bigger. You are right. And yet, you kind of were wrong. It's it's actually smaller. Oh. <laughs> but you were right. Sometimes it's better to be lucky. That's part of the beauty of the market cap game show. You don't always have to be right to be a winner. To to be wow. right. So no, I it, that was a pretty darn good call, uh, really by both of you. But uh, Brian Froldy, the the market cap of 3M Company today is 101.51 billion, basically <laughs> 102 billion or so. So the call of 112 to 142, pretty solid, uh, and yet it was outside that range, just a little bit lower. So it's so so once again, guys, this is a company where you thought it was bigger than it actually is. Now the stock has kind of been sleepy. Uh, it's over the last three months since we last played the market cap game show, we did not do this one together three months ago. But three months ago, it, it was at 177. It's drifted down to 173 today. It's kind of as Brian Froldy described it. it is 
kind of a mainstay of American business. I, I like it. It's been a stock pick of mine in the past because I like the innovation that this company is capable of, has been uh, capable of for decades. And it's not that easy to innovate at big scale. They tend not to have like the one big widget, the iPhone that's going to come along and transform the, the whole business. They just do tons of little innovations and they add up to $100 billion or so about a century later. Uh, and yet not the most dramatic or exciting company. But that's why I was talking about the dividend yield. Before we move on to stock number eight with Brian Stoffel ahead four to three, I do want to note, because I looked this up, a Northasite, which was that the thing they weren't hoping to find in their mind that they probably overpaid for at the start of this company. Northasite is prominently represented in rock samples brought back from the moon and it's important in investigations of Mars, Venus, and the meteorites. So we all learned a little something extra this week on the Market Cap Game Show. All right. Well, again, Stoffel for Feroldi 3. Let's move to company number eight. Turning to Brian Stoffel, who was just right by being wrong, but was right. <laughs> yeah. And let me ask you, Brian, I know a big part of your frameworks and your thinking are around anti-fragility. And a lot of us will know that concept if we've read Nicholas Nassim Taleb, and you've made a lot of, about that. You, you connected his ideas into how to think about businesses that are themselves anti-fragile, that can do really well even in down periods, let's say. I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, but I, 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 having actually not read Taleb's book, I know you're all over it. You know much more about this than I do, but I, I, I have my schoolboy understanding of books I haven't read, and that's one thing I took away, but I'm curious, Brian Stovall, could you give us maybe a short list of, let's say, three of the most anti-fragile stocks in your mind? doesn't even have to be the top three, but just on the Mount Rushmore or the top 10 of anti-fragile stocks, what are a few that come to mind for you? Well, Amazon's definitely number one. Um, they try things. And they. if you want to go back and read a letter from the CEO, Jeff Bezos's letter about one and two-way doors and how you make decisions is a brilliant representation of uh, anti-fragility to me. Um, another one I would throw on there is Axon Enterprise, uh, maker of body cameras and tasers. I think that they are the perfect marriage of wide moat and optionality. Um, in other words, the wide moat can, can prevent the negative black swan and the optionality gives you exposure to a positive black swan. Um, and if I had to choose one more, I'd have to go with the company that scores the highest on the framework, which is Mercado Libre, um, because it has become uh, much like 3M, much more than what it started out as. Well, those are great companies and all companies I admire and in fact have picked and or own, own myself. So um, maybe I understood anti-fragility before Talab even did. And yet he knows much more. You guys know much more about it than I do. I do like the concept, though, and certainly... If we're going to buy stocks, gentlemen, and hold them for long periods of time, we need to have competitive advantages that are sustainable. We need to be pretty amazing, uh, whether it's through every business climate that I like this company that we're about to talk about, I think is, or just good enough in good times that we can swim through the bad ones. Well, stock number eight is one of those companies that changed its corporate name, but the ticker symbol persists. And at some point, I think they should probably rectify that. But Alphabet, which didn't make your short list just put out here, Brian, but I easily could have heard you say this company's name because I know it has to conform to a lot of the things that you look for in investing and, and for me as well. And Alphabet, of course, still rocks the Google ticker symbol G-O-O. 
OG. And I know you're starting to ask yourself, what is the market cap range I'm going to give for Alphabet, ticker symbol G-O-O-G? And if you are asking yourself, it's about time to answer that. All right. It's funny you say that because uh, Alphabet was the one company that was on the tip of my tongue that I didn't say. And when we had our ch- check-in last week about you know the highlights of last year, we talked about the gamification of this. So here we go. Brian Feroldi, I wrote a report this morning that asked for the market cap of Alphabet. But what am I going to do? So I am going to go from between 1.42 billion to 1.85 billion. And uh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm sorry, trillion, trillion. Outside, outside, outside. This was the rare time where I had my ref's whistle out and I was about to throw a flag. Oh, my and goodness. In, just in honor of the game, I think we're going to ask you just to restate that before we'll any go. of us can make a guess. 1.45 trillion. All right, 1.45 trillion. Uh-huh. To 1.85 Trillion to 1.85 trillion. Yeah. Uh, the human mind has a hard time even distinguishing between billion and trillion for lots of important reasons, but there are a thousand billions in a trillion, and it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around that. And yet, as you gentlemen know, there are a number of public companies today that now have trillion plus dollar market caps. Without giving any big spoiler here, this is one of them. But of course, I'm not going to speak to the actual range given. I think we can all appreciate. Let me see if there are, what, 10 figures in a billion. I guess there are 13 figures in a trillion. This is a 13-figure market cap. Yeah. So we like to abbreviate, use scientific notation, just take it out to a couple of decimals. So thank you for doing that for us. Brian Stoffel, Brian Feroldi, and all of my players at home, the stated range of market cap for Alphabet today, ticker symbol GOOG, is 1.45 to 1.85 trillion. Brian, players at home, is it inside or outside that range? Well, my gut was going to say that the market cap was 2 trillion. And I know that Brian is playing mega mind games with me on that upper bound range there of 1.85 trillion because that's <laughs> going to get down to how far below its all time high is it? So if he looked at it this morning, I, uh, it depends on what the stock is doing today, which I don't know. Um, I think the market is up today. So based on that, I'm going to say outside and I think it's 1.9 trillion. And you nailed it. Um, and well I, I hasten to add, of course, that we are recording this now the afternoon of Tuesday, December 21st. When you get this fine-toothed comb combing through gigantic numbers of market cap, and these gentlemen are that on point taking out to a decimal, we have to remember our listeners are hearing this well at the earliest, probably Wednesday evening, and then Thursday the market will trade, etc. So players at home, Give yourself a gold star or a plus one if you're anywhere near here, because this is a stock that we can't know where it's going to trade Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. With that said, we've reached a dramatic juncture because we're once again tied. The market cap for Alphabet is $1.955 <laughs> as we record over the past quarter, by the way. 
The stock is up from 2700 to 2846 but who's counting? It's one of those stocks that's up over the last few months. Many of our innovators, as we've already talked about, are not up over the last three months. Alphabet is, though, and Alphabet does feel pretty anti-fragile to me. Part of it is that, ironically, it's innovating and failing as much as any company out there at scale, probably maybe more than any company out there. But by dint of being so well diversified and having that huge cash cow of the basic Google business that will not fail anytime soon, it's allowed itself to fail and become more anti-fragile. And I see you agreeing, Brian S. Is there anything you'd like to add before we move on to stock number nine? Yeah, just that they're they're moonshot projects. That 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 is, they just need one to hit for it to make a difference to shareholders. Um, and none has really. We keep hearing about Waymo, um, but nothing's hit yet. I'm curious to see what the next ten years bring. Maybe they will find an incredible use, speaking of moonshots, for a Northosite. Maybe they will start to mine it from our moon and, and Mars, and it'll all lead to the future, and it's all brought to you by Alphabet. We'll see. Okay. Well, gentlemen, this is an interesting moment because you're tied four to four. And ironically, perhaps, and anybody who was listening last week already knows this, we decided that the Etsy teaser from last week's show, which you guys played, would serve as a potential pre-tiebreaker, a pre-ending tiebreaker for this week's show. And I regret to say, if you're a Feroldi fan, that Brian Stoffel won that Etsy tiebreaker, which means this. If you guys tie this week, and it very well could happen, finished 5-5 five, five, three months ago, we're at 4-4 four, four right now, we've already decided ahead of time that Brian Stoffel will win. Therefore, my friend Brian Feroldi, you will need to win these next two in order to win this market cap game show. But, but David, that's using gap accounting. If we use non-gap, <laughs> Ryan Stoffel really only gets a half point for the 3M answer. So, You know, it was that whole idea of a tiebreaker is kind of anathema to this game, really. But we, we, we didn't think it was going to happen. We were, we were having fun last week. We said, why not do this in case for some reason this ended up five to five? Well, just keep playing, keep your eye on the ball, and keep playing your, to the best of your ability anyway. I kind of hope it goes 6-4 or 4-6 on its own, but it could very well go 5-5. Five, five. Let's get to stock number nine. Turning to Brian Froldy. Brian, let's play word association really quickly. You ready? I'm going to give you a word or phrase, and you're going to give the first thing that pops into your head. Here we go. Robin Hood. The app. Interesting. Uh, now giving yourself a little bit more time, going another direction, what else might you have said about Robin Hood? Rob the rich, feed the poor. Good one. Merry men, etc. It's it's a phrase. It's actually a, a board game that I'm putting under the tree of one of my friends this year. Uh, it's tur- The Adventures of Robin Hood turned into a story-based um, campaign board game. I mean, Robin Hood has been a bad movie a number of times in theaters, occasionally a good movie. I, I thought the Russell Crowe version was pretty good. But I mean, Robin Hood uh, for investors is an app on your phone where you trade stocks, where you open up a brokerage account, especially for younger people. It's a big go-to for a new generation of people who are just getting started investing. And Robin Hood has been loved and vilified at different points over the last few years for making investing fun or easy or trading gamified, if you like. And there are positives that we three can see to that. And there are some downsides that we can see to that as well. Um, 
Robinhood is not stock number nine, but it is a reminder that in order to become an investor, you're going to need to open an account somewhere. Sometimes when people ask me, Dave, how do you get started investing? I start saying, well, you start looking at this for this company, this is a... But how do you actually start investing? Oh, you need to open an account at a brokerage firm, Fidelity, Schwab, or wherever, or maybe, maybe Interactive Brokers, ticker symbol IBKR. This is not only a Motley Fool stock pick of some vintage, but it's also a common destination for many of our members who might have opened have opened up accounts at Interactive Brokers. So whether you're at Fidelity, Interactive Brokers, or Robinhood, in the end, we're all putting our money somewhere and then trying to figure out how to allocate it. What companies do you want to be a part owner of? I hope for a meaningful period of time as opposed to a trade. With that said, Interactive Brokers Group, the ticker symbol, as I mentioned, IBKR. Brian Froldy, what is your market cap range for Interactive Brokers? Hmm. So this is my broker. And I think it's Mr. Stolp. No, he has a different broker uh, than me. So I am very familiar with the company's product. Excellent. A little uh, bit of home team play here. True. Uh, one reason I like it is it's far more complicated and hard to use than other ones. So it's actually, it's such a pain to log into that it prevents me from trading more often. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a big positive. I like Brilliant. About, uh, this company. Brilliant. I do know that the founder of Interactive Brokers, I think his name is Thomas... Petter, Petterfly, something along those lines. I remember that he owns a huge amount of this company, like maybe half of it. Mm. And he is a multi-billionaire that lives in Connecticut. And I know the company itself has been stealing market share for many years, but I don't think it's all that huge. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give the market cap range of $8 billion to $14.5 billion. $8 billion to $14.5 billion for a company that doesn't advertise that much. A lot of us know Fidelity or Schwab. We know Robinhood, even though it's an upstart. Not as many people probably know interactive brokers. Players at home, Brian Stoffel, $8 billion to $14.5 billion, ticker symbol IBKR, inside that range or outside that range? <sighs> I had written down 5 to 12, so he didn't help me very much. I'm going to say outside. I think it's smaller than $8 billion, which means that it's probably bigger than 14 But let's see how it, how it all plays out. And indeed, it is. It's actually quite a bit larger than that. And oh. this is, again, not a stock I've picked before. A lot of Motley Fool members know this company, use this company. I didn't know that its market cap is $32.45 oh billion. This is a big financial services player. And you can see why a lot of people feel safe having their money there. I th I've always felt better thinking that my money, whatever bank or brokerage it's in, if it has a much bigger market cap than a bank or broker with a tiny little market cap, I feel like my money's probably safer. So I think some people, in addition to a complicated user interface, Brian, uh, some people maybe just appreciate the solidity of this company. And I guess I'm happy and sad at the same time to announce that we're still going to play stock number 10, but this match in one sense is over because Brian Stilfe, you just put up a fifth point and you already have the tiebreaker. With that said, Brian Froldy, if you were to tie 5-5, five, five, a lot of people are going to say it's disputed and that tiebreaker was just a, a movie trailer, a podcast trailer last week. It wasn't part of the game. We'll see. Yeah. So, so Brian, Brian was wrong again, but he got yeah, the point. Not, not to mention that two of my five points 
have come in the wrong direction, but I've still gotten it correct. <laughs> but who's counting? Who's counting? Okay, Me. Yeah. I'm counting. <laughs> All right. Well, the final stock of this market cap game show of this year, ticker symbol, I'll go right to it. It's T-R-U-P. Brian Stoffel, do you have a pet around the house? I do not. I like to say my three-year-old is the closest thing I have. <laughs> Did you grow up with pets? I, you know, I didn't. We we had a home that had three boys, and we were always doing sports and things. It, it wouldn't have been good for a pet. Brian Stoffel, why do you hate animals so much? I don't know, I, but I guess I do. <laughs> well, if you did have a pet around the house, even a betta fish, you might consider getting pet insurance, which when I first heard about it, sounded like this crazy thing, like who would actually get that 10 years ago? And yet over the last 10 years, pets have become family members. And we all want to have our health insurance for each other and gramps and 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 yeah, our fish these days, it seems like. And True Panion, ticker symbol T-R-U-P, is a company that, well, they had a lot of foresight and positioned themselves well to be a leader within this field. Again, a stock I don't know much about, but I randomized this list. I don't need to know every company. You guys just need to know the market caps of every company. So let me turn back to the animal-hating Brian Stoffel. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, you're still basking the glow of victory, so we can have a little fun with you. Brian Stoffel, what is your market cap range for Trupanion? I'm going to go 3.3 to 6.6 billion. 3.3 to 6.6 billion. I will mention this stock has been really good over the last quarter. We'll talk briefly about why in just the last few weeks. But Brian Feroldi and players at home, let's knock it home here. Stock number 10, the range is 3.3 to 6.6 billion. Brian, inside or outside that range, Trupanion. I'm going to say, I think that that range is really good. Prior to its recent run-up, I remember that this company was about a $3 billion business. And like you said, it's been good recently. So I think that that range is thumbs up. And you are correct, which leaves us at arguably a tie. Arguably. <laughs> five to five asterisk with, I think you have to give a head nod to Brian Stoffel for his Remarkable. You weren't even <laughs> expecting me to launch this on you in the middle of the Besties episode last week that we're going to play the game tiebreaker. But you guys um, both, once again, did wonderfully and you're great sports and taught us a lot through this hour together as well. You do finish five to five. We're going to give it to Stoffel because of the tiebreaker because I try to be a person of my word. But I do want to say it's been a remarkable performance for Trupanion, stock up 80 to 125 in just the last three months. And it sounds like at least one of us, besides me, knows why this stock has run up very recently. Do you want to say why? I actually don't know why. All I know is that roughly what the market cap was. I think that they have a partnership with Chewy. That's it. Oh. Chewy, obviously the, the pet food company, uh, another good rule breaker stock, announced Trupanion as its kind of preferred partner within this space. The stock shot up and then actually kind of gave a lot of it back in just the last 10 days or so. So it's been interesting to follow this company. But yeah, at a market cap of $4.76 billion, solidly within that 3.3 to 6.6 .6 range. Well, I want to thank you both again for both your good nature and your good stock picking smarts. And yeah, your market cap savvy as well. We'll start with our, our winner, Brian Stoffel. Brian, thank you so much for being with us this week on the Market Cap Game Show. Thank you, David. And I look forward to a time in 2022 when we can try and have an outright winner. <laughs> and Brian Feroldi, a lot of us, our hearts are still with you. We feel like <laughs> we feel like you at least tied this one. Some of yeah. us do. Thank you very much once again for joining me on the Market Cap Game Show and happy holidays to you, sir. 
Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here, and I promise I'll be a good sport while I'm being recorded. Well, in conclusion, from the Stoffel family, from the Froldi family, from the Engdahl family, and from the Gardner family, we wish you the very best of holidays. Stay safe out there. Wash your darn hands. Maybe have that conversation. If there's anyone that you would feel regretful if you didn't have that conversation, have that one and have a wonderful holiday, which sometimes for some of us means time away as well. Next week, it is your Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag, the final one of the year. Some great stories, some new music, other treats to come. In the meantime, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.